What is going on, everybody? This is Noah Heron, and you are listening to the All Our Ways podcast. I am so excited that you're here today. It's been a few weeks since I released an episode. My wife and I, we were in the middle of a lot of transition, moving into a new house, and finding out the gender of our baby, celebrating with friends and family. And so for the delay, I apologize. Um, But we've got some amazing episodes these next couple of weeks, starting with today. We've got an incredible episode with my friend Micah McDonald. This guy, I look at him as a brother. I really do. Um, I have so much respect for him, so much love for him. He has done so much for my family and for myself. One of the most giving people on the planet. A little bit about Micah. He is a traveling evangelist based in Minnesota. He's got a beautiful wife named Stephanie and two amazing, amazing kids named Malachi and Everly. And uh, his ministry is really incredible. They travel all over the world. He preaches all over the planet. Um, One of the best communicators of the gospel that I've ever seen. Uh, But on top of that, and more important than that, the way that he does it has always stood out to me so much. He truly has a servant's heart. He's always looking for ways to serve others while he's doing it. And um, I've never met someone who is as intentional as Micah is at relationships. He really, really, really is uh, quite gifted at Um, being there for people and helping people and encouraging people and praying for people. And so I'm really excited. He has one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard. You're going to get to hear a little bit of of it today and a little bit of his insights into being a relational evangelist. And so I'm excited for you to hear right now my conversation with my friends, my brother, uh, a person that I really look up to, Micah McDonald. Micah, welcome to the All Our Ways podcast. Let's go. Noah, it's an honor to be on, bro. I can't believe I made it. I can't believe I made it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Micah, you are one of my best friends in the world. Uh, Our wives are getting really, really close. We recently spent a lot of time together, and I'm really familiar with your story, but um, I know that there'll be many listeners who are not. And so I want to just start the conversation letting you tell your story from death to life, which you also wrote an amazing book on that I'll talk a little bit about when you're done. Yeah, man. Uh, Yeah. Well, first of all, Noah, you're amazing, bro. Uh, I know you guys who are tuning into the podcast, you're tuning in because you know how awesome Noah is. But Noah, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor and I love you tons, bro. The reality is, is I shouldn't be alive today. Um, uh, I wrote this book called Death to Life, but really it's more than a book. It's a story that's been written in my life and still being written today. And um, I grew up a pastor's kid. I grew up uh, in church, knew about Jesus. Uh, But by the time I hit like 13, 14 years old, Uh, My dad stopped going to church and uh, just watched my family fall apart. I'm the oldest in my family. I got three younger sisters and in a pivotal age, an age where you're already questioning things or trying to figure out who you are. I'll never forget. My dad sat me and my three sisters down in our living room 
and said he was going to divorce our mom after 17 years of marriage. I watched drugs, uh, drug abuse, alcohol, affairs, uh, you name it. I saw it as a young age. And what was crazy is my dad was the one who introduced me to Jesus. And now I was watching my dad say he's never going to step foot inside a church again. This all happened at uh, middle school age. And um, I just, it's, it's kind of crazy, just the timing of all of that and just being confused. Like, is God really real? Does God exist? Why would my dad abandon Jesus? Why would he abandon the church? Uh, just a really confusing time. And the best decision a single mom ever did is she called the friend and said, hey, where's the best church that I can bring my kids to? And to all the single moms, they're some of the heroes of the world. Um, and so my mom said, where's the best church? And we ended up in this church. And really, I saw it was a cry for desperation. It was a single mom saying, I can't do it. I know Jesus can. I need my kids in church. I need my kids around the story of God. And it got worse, not better. Uh, within one year, my eight-year-old sister was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And the wow. doctors gave her a 20% chance to live. So I just watched my dad leave my house watched drugs destroy a home, watched my dad brought to jail because of altercations with my mom. And now an eight-year-old girl, my youngest sister, said she has a 20% chance to live. Um, and so I've watched sin and I've watched death try to destroy my family. Um, some years later, I know we're jumping fast, but some years later, my dad ended up passing away in a motorcycle accident. And um, I just have, I've, I've seen so much at such a young age. And Here's what I've always seen is that with Jesus, the story never ends with death, but Jesus mm -hmm. always moves us from death to life. Yeah. And in that span, I've watched Jesus do incredible things. In that span, uh, I became a part of a youth group, uh, went to all the things you could go to, um, just watched how a youth pastor, youth leader shaped my life. But then I watched God's power show up in my life. My sister battled cancer for two years. She went through all the chemotherapy and radiation her body could handle. Uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation showed up, gave her a wish. Her wish was to go swim with the dolphins in Florida. And uh, Make-A-Wish usually shows up when it's not looking good for kids. Every child on the cancer floor that she was on passed away. Every child. My sister was supposed to be next. She went through over 15 surgeries in her lungs because the tumor had spread to her lungs. And I'll never forget, there was an evangelist who came and spoke at our church. And he said, one day, young girl, he spoke to my sister, one day you're going to come to my church in Tennessee and you're going to give a testimony on how God heals you of your cancer. Our church wow. had been praying for two years, praying for a miracle. She went in to go get scans to see where the tumors had gotten her body. And the scans revealed there were no more tumors in her body whatsoever. She's been cancer free now, cancer free now for over 15 years. And every Sunday morning, she leads worship in the very church she was prophesied over that she was going to be healed. And so wow. at a young age, I remember God's power being so real and so tangible. And now my wife and I, we bought the very house that I grew up in. And uh, it's a part of our death to life story because this house isn't uh, filled with the hurts of the past and the wounds of the past. But this house every day is a reminder of God's redemption and how he buys dead things and he sees them come to life. And so one day, my two and four-year-old kids are going to get to hear the story of God's faithfulness, of God's restoration, of how God literally brought a family from death to life.
So that in a nutshell is death to life and it's still ongoing. And the longer you serve Jesus, the more faithful he is and the more beautiful the story gets. Come on, man. That <clears throat> I don't really <laughs> plug. I don't really plug a lot of stuff on the podcast, but those of you guys listening, um, this is just a snippet. I mean, I asked Micah to share a, a snippet of it for the episode of, of his story, what, what God has done in his family and um, what is what he's still doing in his family. But I love, man, my favorite part is that you guys bought the house. I remember you told me that yes. when we met in Israel and um, that still makes the hair on my arm stand up, man. That is just, <laughs> that is just the coolest it gets, uh, story. It, it gets crazier in the fact that the day we signed and closed on the house was October 6th, the wedding anniversary of my mom and dad, bro. Wow. So we, we were supposed to sign, we were supposed to close in August. And when I'm signing the papers, my mom looks at me and she goes, you know what today is? I go, what? She goes, today is your dad and I's wedding anniversary. Wow. Stinking crazy. Like just kind so, of a complete coincidence. Yes. Yes. Wow. Crazy coincidence. Didn't even plan that. Just coincidence. Wow. Come on, man. Well, yeah. the story, the story continued. If you don't know Mike Mack, he's now uh, traveling the world as an evangelist. Uh, that's just one of the many things that uh, Mac Ministries, which is the ministry that Micah and his amazing wife, Stephanie, lead together. It's a, uh, a very evangelistic type of a ministry. And um, I've had the privilege of hearing you communicate the gospel um, several times. We've done it at the same events now twice, which is yes. a huge honor for me to be able to say. Um, but Micah, you you have the gift of communicating. What do you think makes a great communicator of the gospel? What would you say are the, the non-negotiables to communicate the gospel well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a couple things come to mind real quick. Uh, number one, you've got to know your audience. Every communicator has to know your audience. This is one of the things that can be most overlooked because you're like, oh, I got a go-to message. I got a message I can travel with, can preach with. I know it's going to hit. But here's the deal. You can have your go-to message plop all because you don't know your audience. You don't know who you're speaking to. And so you have to know the demographic. You have to know the town. You have to know what the city's like, what the vibe's like, what are the jobs there, what are the schools like, what are the mascots names like. As much as you can know before you show up to preach, it only helps and equips. So you have got to know your audience. A quick example is uh, I preached in a church recently and I looked out and it's mostly white hair. Now, I'm not going to start off by saying, what's up, everyone? How's everyone doing? What's up? Like, I'm not doing that. I literally started off by saying, good morning, folks. I literally used the word folks. Because was that the folks, first time you'd ever used that word? No, because I was a server at Baker Square, where mostly old people ate at. So Come I on. literally started off by saying, good morning, folks. It's great to be with you. A completely different twist. Then if I was at a big youth event. And so you have to know your audience, number one. Number two, you got to make it clear and you got to make it simple. Clarity and simplicity are your best friends as a communicator. If you aren't clear, if you don't know where you're going, you don't know what you're saying, your audience isn't going to know what you're going. So you got to make it clear. You got to make it simple. Here's the biggest compliment in the world. I was preaching at a church two Sundays ago 
And this mom comes up to me. She goes, my five-year-old was sitting in the audience. And she goes, my son said, mom, I understand what he's saying. Mom, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then a 90-year-old came up after me after service and said, man, that really moved my heart. You're doing a great job as a communicator if a five-year-old can get it and a 90-year-old can get it. So here's what yeah. you need to ask yourself. You need to ask yourself these questions to help give you a roadmap for clarity and for simplicity. Number one, you have to be able to answer the question, why is this important? Why is what you're saying important? You have to know the why. Number two, what do I want them to know? Hmm. What do you want them to get and know? Number three, what do I want them to do? What do I, how do I want them to respond? What do I want them to do as a takeaway for my message? Um, and then why should they do it? Why do they need to do it? Why is this important to do? And then the last thing is what's the big so what? Or what's the big takeaway? Or what's the main point? Um, just about every time I preach, I do what's called the big so what. So after hmm. we looked at today's text, after we looked at today's message, what's the main thing? What, what's the whole so what to all of this? Those questions will help bring clarity uh, and simplicity. And then the last one that kind of comes to mind is great communicators are great at making it captivating, making mm. a message captivating. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what information you want to relay if no one's listening, if people yeah. are tuning out, if they're checking Instagram or whatever, you've got to always be thinking captivating. How do I captivate my audience? And so um, I... I'm always thinking in terms of illustrations, visual illustrations, storytelling, or the use of images. I'm always yeah. thinking I, through my day to day, I'm always thinking illustratively and I'm thinking story. Yeah. So I literally, I literally have a note in my phone that is ongoing where everyday life things happen, things that are funny, things that are embarrassing, things that are, that's a brilliant story. And right there, I'll audio record it into my phone so I have it saved for future illustration. Um, so I'm always thinking in the form of story because stories captivate, images captivate, visual illustrations captivate, and allows the audience that you're speaking to, it allows them to, um, it allows them to digest and to receive the truth. And so um, for me, I'm always thinking in terms of that way. Uh, and then for 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 you being captivating you have to have a great hook in the beginning and you have to have a great close hmm. uh you need you need a great hook in the beginning you gotta hook people within that first five minutes and for myself someone who's an evangelist i'm constantly in front of new audiences which means i only have two minutes to reach the audience and if i don't get them if they don't like me or they're not with me then i can't adequately deliver the truth so i have to have a great hook and i have to have a great close those yeah. two are important for, for captivating, captivating your audience. So I just think in terms of knowing your audience, making it clear and simple, and make it captivating. Great communicators can do those three things really well. Come on. Okay. I love, <laughs> I love that so much um, because there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are communicators like us. They are preachers. You know, that's, that's kind of um, the, the lane that you and I communicate the most in is from a stage talking from the Bible, preaching a timeless truth from God, right? That's our lane. But there are also people who listen to this podcast who communicate in a totally different way, whether that's in a classroom, they're teachers, or maybe they're on a team or whatever. And all of the pieces of advice, all three, three, three of those things um, are applicable 
in those arenas as well. It's not just for preachers. It's for any type of communicator that will make you more effective. So guys listening, if you need to go back, you need to go through, Micah just water hosed you with so many great things. <laughs> I'd highly suggest you going back, taking notes on that um, because that is coming from a world-class communicator. Now, here's the thing that I've noticed about you, Micah. This is what made me um, so interested in who you were as a person right off the bat is that there are phenomenal communicators of the gospel, phenomenal communicators out there of other things. Um, there are more than you realize. Uh, but what stuck out to me about you was how intentional you are and you were when I met you um, in relationships. Uh, you've been one of my most intentional friends in my life, and we live very far away. You live in Minnesota. I live in Atlanta. And uh, yet our friendship has grown and grown and grown. And I've noticed that when you preach places, you're the same exact way, which is not always the case, um, you know, which I, I hope that it becomes the, the golden standard. I think that would be really good for us as, as communicators to be like that. Um, can you just talk about how that happened, why that's important to you, some practices maybe you employ when you're on the road and you're preaching from church to church, like just talk through your mindset. Uh, I can't take credit for anything that I'm about to share because all of us are byproduct of people that have gone before us and great leaders that have impacted our lives. I just want to share a little bit about my lead pastor who trained me at a young age. He said, um, when you walk into a room, don't you dare talk about your ministry or your church or your mm. profession, your career. When you walk into a room, ask questions to other people, learn about them, ask how they're doing, ask, ask how, ask how their marriage is, ask how their friendships are, ask, ask how their career is going, their ministry is going. Don't ever talk about yourself. Don't ever talk about yourself. That right there instilled in me early on as a young leader that when I show up to places, I show up to events. I need to be thinking, what can I learn from other people? What great mm -hmm. questions can I ask other people? Because here's the deal. People love talking about themselves. Yeah. And that's what I want. I want that. That's not me saying, look at how self-centered you are. That's me saying, no, I want to know about you. Tell me about yeah. you. Tell me about, tell me about who you are. And then uh, another great thing that I learned from another pastor, he says, when you walk into a room, never say, here I am, but say, there you are. Mm, we, that's can either good. Be, we can either be people who walk in a room who say, here I am, everyone, I'm here, look at me. Or you can walk into a room and say, there you are, Noah, yeah. what's up? Noah, it's so good to see you. And you make it all about people. And what I've realized, man, is I have a unique role as an evangelist that I'm not a, I'm not a local pastor. I'm not pastoring mm. a flock. But what I get to be is I get to be really good at being someone else's friend. And yeah. what, I, what I've noticed is people need friends. They need yeah. good friends. They need people who will encourage them. Every leader is fighting a, a, a battle. Every leader has weight that they're carrying right now. Every leader has the thorn in their side that's bothering them. And anytime a guest speaker rolls in to preach, they need to be thinking, how can I bring fresh wind into the mm -hmm. leader who brought me in? How can I encourage their sales? How can I lift their spirits? How can I add value to their church? How can I add value to their organization, to their corporation? How can I be solution-minded around them? How can I lift their arms? How can I be generous 
towards them. And so for me, I'm always looking for ways to be generous. I'm always looking to find the right things that are happening, speaking to those, encouraging them. Um, I'll always, always encourage anyone who brings me in. Um, I'll find something to say, something positive. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building one another up. And so I mm. always want to be a person who's encouraging. I always want to catch people doing the right things and speaking to it and just being a friend saying, hey, there you are, not here am I. Come on. We could, uh, we could drop the mic right there. That quote is so good. And I, I've watched you. I've watched you do it. Um, and I think that it's something that like probably when I'm, I'm speaking for you. So correct me if, if I'm wrong here, that in the beginning, that was something you had to work harder to do than you do now. Over time, it's just become more natural. It's become more and more a part of who you are as a person to do that. Whereas in the beginning, it was like, I need to be doing better at this. Is that right? Yep, definitely. No, I would say it's like any skill. It's like anything else. It takes practice. It takes intentionality. Yeah. It takes forethought. Um, immediately, it takes forethought. And I, I, I also will say, uh, um, you know, the whole goal of it, Noah, is just, being, is just being a likable and a good friend, treating people how they themselves would want to be treated. Yeah. So, so Micah uh, was such a good friend that he stayed in Atlanta after he preached here a couple weeks ago. Literally him, his entire beautiful family, his two kids, Stephanie, they stayed to help Maddie and I move into our new house, which is the, you cannot come up with a better example of a good friend, someone who willingly, <laughs> willingly helps you move boxes. And uh, I don't even have time to, to tell the listeners how good of a mover you are. Micah used to work for a moving company when he first uh, made the switch to full-time evangelism. So we packed that U-Haul better than any U-Haul has ever been packed in the history of yes. U-Hauls. <laughs> and uh, I'm super grateful for the friend that you are, man. Okay, I want to wrap up this way. This is a fun way I like to, uh, to wrap up and, and hopefully allow the listeners to get to know uh, these guests that come on the podcast in a little bit of a unique way. So I know that you give talks on a regular basis centered around Jesus, centered around his church, his people, your pastor, we get it. If you were going to give a TED talk on any subject, any random subject that you're just really passionate about, that you feel like you can just knock out of the park, but it can't be related to church, following Jesus, the Bible. It has to be a completely different sphere uh, of influence. For example, Tiffany Hammer from Elevation was on here. She said her TED talk was going to be about making guacamole because she loves some good guacamole. Okay, so what would your TED talk be? if you had to give one tomorrow? I think it's an application that every person can get behind, whether you're religious, non-religious, whatever. And it's this one word called generosity. Mm. I would give a TED Talk on generosity and how generosity opens the doors into so many other avenues in the people's lives. If you're willing to be generous towards someone else, it always finds its way back to you. Wow. If people could practice generosity, not only would our world change, but we would see we would see so much impact, so much change in the world 
But ultimately, generosity always is the uh, the greatest benefactor is always the one who's being generous. <laughs> Ooh, I know that that was uh, unrelated to what you do for a living, but I can tell you preached that before because um, I'm ready. To, <laughs> I'm ready to take a lap right now in my yes. living room. Oh man, Micah, where can the listeners keep up with you? Um, I'm going to link your book uh, where it's available in the description, but where can they keep up with you? Social media, what's the best way to stay in contact? Yeah, all my handles on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, it's at Pastor Micah Mack, at Pastor Micah Mack. And then we have a website, mac-ministries.com. Go check them out. Look at him on Instagram. I love his Instagram uh, content. It's either going to fire you up, encourage you, or you're going to look at his beautiful family and be blessed. So go (laughs) follow Pastor Micah Mack. Micah, thanks for joining us for all our ways, man.